Okay, Pasa Mufasa, welcome to the Micopreneur Podcast, a podcast about people solving problems with mushrooms. I'm your host, Dennis Walker, and today on the pod, we are joined by the founder and CEO of a United Kingdom-based micropreneurial venture that combines two of our favorite traditions, adaptogenic mushrooms and craft beer. Everybody in the house, please give a warm welcome to Zoe Henderson of Function, premium alcohol-free adaptogenic mushroom-infused craft beer. During lockdown last year, I was sitting in the garden, drinking my alcohol-free beer, thinking about what on earth was going on and what I was going to do with my life, and I just thought, I want to put mushrooms into another type of product. I want to get them more into like our points of social ceremony. In today's episode, Zoe and I dive into the origin story of Function, as well as some of the strategy behind getting a functional mushroom product out of the drawing room and onto health food shelves around the world. We also unpack the growing trend of alcohol-free craft beer, as well as the specific mushroom and beer flavor profile combinations that define the current function lineup of beers. We examine the fungi culture of the United Kingdom, and we also dive into the workflow of the solo micropreneur and launching and scaling a functional mushroom product for the global market. All that and a whole lot more right now. So let's get this show on the road. Zoe Henderson of Function Adaptogenic Mushroom Beer based in the United Kingdom. Welcome to the Micropreneur Podcast. How are you today, Zoe? Hey, Dennis. I am great. So good to be here talking to you today. I'm super excited about our chat. <laughs> I am too, and I want to start with a little story that I just came out of the Telluride Mushroom Festival, so I'm still basking in the afterglow of this extraordinary mushroom experience and all these great micropreneurs I got to meet, and the kickoff party was actually a mushroom beer party, and people were over the moon about the craft beer infused with functional mushroom extracts, such as Lion's Mane and Cordyceps IPA, a Rishi Lager, Turkey Tail Brown Ale, and my personal favorite, the Maitake Pale Ale. But surprisingly to me, Zoe, despite the level of excitement and the massive interest in both craft beer and functional mushrooms around the world, there don't seem to be too many companies who are connecting the two and making functional mushroom craft beer. But you are. And it's in fact non-alcoholic functional mushroom craft beer. So we'd love to hear about the series of events that led to the creation of Function Adaptogenic Alcohol-Free Mushroom Beer. What's the origin story of Function? Sure. Yeah, there aren't that many people doing it. And there's certainly, not that I've come across doing it on like a commercial scale. So yeah, it's super exciting to see that there are other people doing it because it tastes amazing. But um, yeah, certainly in the UK. Uh, and as far as I know, the, I'm the only person that's doing it in an alcohol-free beer. So I mean, my love with fungi and mushrooms started, I've always liked them from an edible perspective, culinary perspective. But like many people, I knew the mushrooms that you have on your pizza and in your risotto and then the magical ones. And I didn't realize that there was this like subset of amazing functional mushrooms in the middle. I didn't realize that there were these mushrooms that have been used medicinally for thousands of years, tens of thousands of years even, and was really fascinated when I when I discovered this subsection of, of the kingdom. So I was actually in the States about six years ago and for Sigmatic, who have probably, you know, led the way in terms of mainstreaming mushrooms and shrooms and making them, yeah, approachable and not weird and not kooky. They had this amazing pop-up in Abbott Kenny in LA called the Shroom Room 
and I just kind of stumbled across it when I was walking around and spent two hours in there chatting to this guy being like what are these mushrooms this is amazing and we spoke about mushrooms and plant medicine and healing and I was like wow right I'm sold so from that day forward I was like down with the medicinal mushrooms and I've just been researching them uh, using them for my own health benefits I was having some health issues I was trying to get over some like eczema and skin issues I was quite stressed and I just found that these adaptogens work really well to kind of help give my body what it needed at that at that right time and so that was where my love started and from then I just started researching and learning and reading more about functional mushrooms and and what they were all about and just thought wow this is super cool. And then about two years ago, two and a half years ago, I was working, I've always worked in hospitality. And my last kind of role before the big seal kicked off was working for a restaurant group that was completely sober. So we were a complete dry venue, but we had like a dry bar. So we had beers on tap, we had cocktails, had all these things that was super cool that made you feel like you were just in a regular bar. So I started to become a bit more mindful of my drinking. I've never been a huge drinker, but even more so seeing all these amazing options and amazing products that were out there, I thought, okay, this is this is really exciting me. So I just became like a huge alcohol-free beer drinker. Like I love the, the taste of beer, but I'm only small drinking big pints of beer and loads of, it's just, you know, you get drunk pretty quickly and you feel pretty gross the next day. So I always like the flavor, but yeah, drinking beers was never really for me. And then I discovered that there were some really good alcohol-free beers and I thought, okay, this is cool, this is my vibe. And then during lockdown last year, I was sitting in the garden, drinking my alcohol-free beer, thinking about what on earth was going on and what I was gonna do with my life. And I just thought, I wanna put mushrooms into another type of product. I want to get them more into like our points of social ceremony, because to me, it's like, that's the thing that makes us all human ceremony and the sociality of it and people spending time together and unfortunately a lot of the time in the west that gets framed with drinking lots of alcohol which we know isn't that great for us so uh you know everything in moderation but you know certainly drinking lots of alcohol all the time isn't that good for you uh it's not good for our mental health it's not good for our well-being and so i was just like fully on board with alcohol free beer and I thought this was really great and then thought I wanted a way that I could get mushrooms into another ceremonial touch point I have them in my coffee every day I've got them in like a tea now I really wanted to think of another way and I thought what's that other ceremony that we all love you know and know well it's having a beer having a drink and yeah function kind of came about by these amalgamations of, of these two worlds and function was born in November last year Fantastic. And we're happy that it's here. And you, you touched on a few things I'd love to dive deeper into right there, talking about social touch points and ceremony in our culture. And of course, coffee is getting a ton of shine for mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic being one of the preeminent providers of that. And I've got their lion's mane functional mushroom coffee right now, but there's not really a lot of options available for people who might want to have a nightcap. And, might, you know, there's plenty of supplements, but as you mentioned, beer and alcohol is extraordinarily accessible in our culture. And I want to talk about that for a second. So there's an increasing awareness of consumer habits and the impact that our food and behavior choices have on the environment, on us personally, on the collective, on the planet. And we're starting to see that more mindful eating and mindful sourcing practices are what's needed for us to really heal as a collective. And people are starting to ask these questions such as, how can I contribute to a healthier world by changing my diet and being more mindful and intentional with what food and what beverages I put in my body and where it comes from. Now, alcohol is such a huge part of social life around the globe, and it's heavily normalized 
despite the often damaging and deleterious effects it has on many individuals and on society. So I wanted to call to attention, there's a study in uh, Dr. David Nutt's 2012 book, Drugs Without the Hot Air, where on a, a scale of 20 legal and illegal substances that are used specifically in the UK, mushrooms score a six out of 100, I believe, on this scale of potential to harm, while alcohol scores a 72, right? More like 12 times as much. So I'm curious, like, why is alcohol still so socially accepted in such large quantities and mushrooms are still this kind of strange subculture thing that's making inroads into the mainstream? But uh, thanks to companies like yours who are fusing the two and, and educating people about this, do you foresee a future in which more people are drinking non-alcoholic beer and non-alcoholic adaptogenic mushroom beer? A hundred percent. Professor David Nutt's awesome. I sat on a, a panel at a Know and Low conference earlier on in this year, and he's just amazing. And, and the work that he's doing around the science of alcohol, how it affects our brains, and actually he's working on a product right now that will synthetically recreate the effects of alcohol. The positive effects of alcohol shine out in a different part of your brain to the negative effects of alcohol that deal with addiction and dopamine. And they're trying to isolate these compounds to create something that gives you the effect of being you know mildly intoxicated but without all the negative effects because there's something about humans that we like to let go we like to find otherworldliness we like to kind of yeah kick back and relax you know we've been eating fermented fruit since the beginning of time and we still see animals in nature you know finding fermented fruit at a certain time of year and gorging on it and stumbling around I don't know if it, anyone's seen the YouTube videos of like the drunken monkeys and the drunken elephants so it's definitely something in a mammalian brain that quite likes the effects of, of getting a little bit bit high but the negative effects of that used to extreme and when alcohol which by a lot of people is used as a coping mechanism to unsatisfactory environmental conditions you know lives the jobs that we have to do the fact that we don't get to spend enough time with family lots of issues that kind of you know alcohol is used as a crutch for that now the myth of alcohol has been so cleverly sewn into society by marketing. People still manage to have parties and celebrations and cultures in the Middle East where, you know, it, there are dry countries, they don't have alcohol. In India, you see these amazing weddings, amazing celebrations, people party for days, there's no alcohol. It's like we've really had alcohol kind of wrapped into our culture from a necessity back in the day. The London water was so filthy about 600 years ago. It was, it was encouraged to drink beer rather than water because you had a much much lower chance of dying if you drank beer all day than if you drank the water. So there's been cultural conditions. There's been, I know it's crazy. There's been situational conditions. And then latterly in, you know, in this century, it's been marketing, you know, it's cool to drink. It's fun. It's sexy. You have more friends, you know, everyone's having fun at the party until they're not having fun at the party. And, you know, there's some serious health implications that come from that. And I really see this mindfulness has kind of come about in society because we're exhausted with this situation and we're tired with this cultural conditioning that we have around drinking alcohol. The effects of it are becoming very apparent. And at the same time, the science and the data, the work of people like David, you know, coming out and really explaining what alcohol is doing to us. And, and now at the same time, we've got this perfect like trifecta where now products are coming in that are giving viable alternatives. Because before, you know, we were held to ransom because it was like, if you're a grown up, you drank 
drank alcohol. You know, some people drank a bit too much. Aunt Betty, you know, always got a little bit drunk in the holidays. But it was almost like a funny thing, you know, even though she was probably a really struggling alcoholic. It was just like, oh, you know, he's had one or two to drink. Alcohol is the most harmful substance that we have. Far more far more harmful than than mushrooms and psychedelics, far more harmful than ecstasy or MDMA. You know, it's just like, it's been culturally conditioned, it's been taxed, it's been monetized in a way that governments want to keep you in that cycle. Using drugs, substances to help elevate our consciousness, to help encourage a feeling of oneness, to help, you know, us be healthy and thrive and maybe question the status quo. That doesn't make for good worker bees if we're doing that. So there's lots of very complicated socioeconomic and straight economic and moral issues that kind of wrap up this whole situation. But the power is in education and the power is in information and, and we as as humans have more information at our fingertips now than we've ever had before and, and the science is glaringly obvious you know we're it's the same fight that we had with cigarettes you know for years they knew that cigarettes cause cancer for years but everyone was like eh, we'll just try and hide it here we'll shove it here we'll make it people's choice to smoke and all of these things and finally you know of course people still smoke but finally we're getting around to going okay this is really bad and a really awful idea and you know it's a really stupid thing to start smoking and I think we're going to see something very similar with with alcohol where people you know not to the extreme of smoking but drinking excessive alcohol is extremely bad for you at the very worst it ages you it makes you feel sluggish it messes up your sleep which affects your immunity you know and at the very kind of opposite end of the scale you know you your life falls apart because you have a dependence on this substance that's really just messing everything up for you and you know and it will essentially kill you through through eroding your liver so it's a really extreme spectrum um and i think now this education is coming out around better few products the science around the dangers of alcohol the science and also people be more open about mental health it's okay to have mental health problems most of us do. In fact, probably everyone does at some point have some kind of issue that affects you emotionally. And it's okay to talk about it rather than self-medicate with alcohol. You know, if you have anxiety, going out and having a few beers before you even talk to someone to kind of calm you socially, it's like, it's okay. It's now okay to be like, I have anxiety. Like, I, I don't feel comfortable in certain situations. You don't have to mask these things now. So we've come really, like, far ahead compared to where we were, like, even when I was a teenager, where getting drunk was cool, getting fucked up was cool. You know, now it's not cool. We know that it's that it's damaging for us. But now we have the amazing options to go, I can drink a beer, I can have some sparkling wine, I can make a cool cocktail. I can do all the things within these social situations but now you know I don't have to have the alcohol and functional foods and drinks are the evolution of this so it's like okay I've made a conscious choice to be healthy and not have alcohol in my diet could be for today could be for a week could be forever so I'm obviously of that mindset that I want to help my body be in its maximum condition and adaptogens botanicals things like CBD are now coming in as a way to kind of like biohack the life that we have we live a very unusual life we're very most people are very uh removed from what it is to be a human we're removed from nature we're removed from other people we're removed from eating the foods that we should be eating we're removed from getting enough sunlight so there's so many things that have kind of skewed our bodies and increased a huge amount of stress and it might not be stress that you know automatically you might not think oh god I'm stressed but there are internal stresses that are happening on a chemical level and that are happening on an emotional level 
just this is just human life in this world that we've created so trying to find herbs plant adaptogens and adaptogens do just what they say on the tin you know they help your body adapt to stresses they help your body keep within homeostatic range they help your hormone systems they help your blood pressure they help your sleep patterns so anything that we can now find that can really help to biohack this the world that we've kind of created around us and these lifestyles that we've created are even better and now the science and data is coming out you know we think we're very smart and we are in the west and you know medicine's amazing and if you hit your leg break your leg or get hit by a car or something happens it's there you know the emergency room is there and it's amazing and you know if you cut your finger now you can have antibiotics and you're not going to die of gangrene like would have happened when we lived in the woods back in the day however our medicine treats illness and it encourages illness. You know, our systems encourage people to get ill and then they have the pills for you and then they keep you for life on the pills and, and you know, it will keep you from not from dying and it will keep you healthier. But what we want is to not get ill in the first place. So unless our body has like a trauma, unless there's something physical that happens to it, we shouldn't need to be in hospital. You know, we have chronic diseases that are caused by our lifestyle, heart disease, atherosclerosis, diabetes, type two diabetes, all of these things are completely caused by our lifestyles. And I think we're really becoming much more aware of that. And now it's like, okay, what do we do moving forward to empower our health, to empower our immunity? And this was happening before, you know, pandemics and sickness, you know, in general. What can we do to keep our immunity at its best? What can we do to keep our health at its best? So we don't have to go to the doctor and get meds. So we don't have to rely on medicine and prescriptions. And I think this age of empowering our health is really kind of coming forward with the information we have, with social media, with science and research, and it's all coming together, I hope, to really change the way that we think about health and wellness and, and keep us healthy and well, rather than being sick and having to be treated. Fantastic. What a eloquent and insightful answer. Thank you so much, Zoe. And thank you for touching on the socioeconomic perspectives there, because I firmly believe, too, that to change a lot of what what is ingrained in society, it's going to be done at the consumer level and it's going to be done at the corporate or company level. And consumers can drive that change and vote with their dollars or vote with their pounds or euros or whatnot. So we just touched on some of the macro narratives surrounding society, mushrooms, alcohol, etc. Let's dive into the more micro level and talk about the current lineup of Function Beer. So I've seen on the website you've got Chaga Lager, you've got Lion's Mane IPA, Rishi Citra Beer, and a special run of the Turkey Tail Pale Ale, hangover not included. So what is the process like for, for getting the mushrooms into the beer? Are you brewing them together from the start? Are you adding mushroom extract to the beer after it's brewed? What does that look like and what, are, what is some perspective you can provide on the lineup of Function Mushroom Beers? Yeah, so I launched with the three kind of most well-known functional mushrooms, even though there's so much education around it, around people's perception on mushrooms. And, you know, our kind of strap line is, you know, no, your beer won't taste like mushroom. No, it won't get you high. And then people will go, oh, okay, that sparked my attention. Right, let's find out more about these mushrooms. So, but Reishi, Lion's Mane and Chaga are probably the three most well-known mushrooms, um, followed by things like Turkey Tail. So I launched with the three. I wanted to create beers that had great flavor. I wanted to create craft beers. So I wasn't 
didn't want to create something that was like an infusion, a tonic, a seltzer. I wanted it to be a beer. And from drinking lots of beers and from having, you know, supplements of mushrooms for years and really just having the powder and the tinctures in water and tea, I was really used to the flavor profiles. So I was like, okay, these profiles work really well with hops. You know, they're earthy, they're nutty, they're bitter, they're sweet. They have a really similar profile to hops. So it worked really well. So I spent a bit of time with a, a brewing expert kind of developing which mushrooms would go with which type of beers. And I'm a fan of a European kind of Belgian dark style lager. Um, so for me, putting the chaga in there was great. I've seen a few like chaga stouts or chaga dark ales. And I thought, no, nah, I want to put it in a lager. Um, so we brewed a malt lager with uh, in a style of like a European beverage. So that worked with the chaga. The Lion's Mane IPA, you know, Lion's Mane has got a really nice like toasted walnut finish to it when it's in its in extract form. And that worked really well with the, the earthiness of the IPA and that really hot forward IPA. And in fact, we've just won a bronze award at the World Beer Awards for our IPA. And then our Reishi Citra. So uh, we use Citra hops, Idaho 7, Simcoe. They're very oily. They're very heavy hops. And the Reishi cuts through that with its bitterness that we all know and love from reishi but it works really well to balance out these kind of super heavy oily juicy hops and so that's kind of a, a lighter a lighter beer i wanted the process of so you can make alcohol free beer in two ways you can de-alcoholize it so you brew up to like four percent and then you put it through a, a reverse osmosis process which breaks down the alcohol now that's quite an intense process. You can lose a lot of the oil from the hops. You lose a lot of that juiciness from the hops and you can be left with quite a flat beer and you do compromise on flavor. So for us, it was never de-alcoholization. It was always going to be capped fermentation. So we brew up to a certain level and then we, um, we essentially kill off the yeast to stop it from over-fermenting. So this way we're getting like a really authentic beer flavor profile coming through it but we're not um we're not ever going up to a full strength alcohol and we found the best way was to brew with the extracts in um in conditioning so after the fermentation and the liquids cooled down we put the extracts into the beer um and then it sits in tank for varying degrees of time depending on the brew between five to ten days so all those beautiful flavors of the mushrooms are coming out all the triterpenes all the um, better glucans they're already in a pretty soluble extract formula um so they're breaking down nicely and getting into the beers so we're putting a, a functional amount of of mushrooms into every brew it's it's about half a gram um so you know if you're having three or four of these beers every day you're you know you're getting functional elements especially maybe if you're supplementing with mushrooms somewhere else so um like anything herbal you know it's about the build-up of these things in your body so um you know people go can I feel something when I drink it and some people say oh I've had a few of the reishis and I feel really calm and yes we know that reishi can act as a vasodilator and it can calm and it helps the nervous system um but how much of that is the placebo of you knowing that you've had the reishi and how much of that is actually instantly having an effect? But we know that it has long-term effects. And we know that, you know, if, you, if you're having a, something with reishi in it before bedtime, it is going to help your sleep patterns. You know, I, I normally have it in some like turmeric milk, some oat milk and turmeric and a bit, of, a bit of maple. And I'll put some reishi in there. And that's like a really great bedtime drink. And I always sleep super well when I have that. So, um, yeah, these... The effects of the mushrooms are, are definitely present. But for me, it was like, I want these mushrooms to be in a product, but I want to make a great craft beer. And we've managed to, to combine the two and, and put that together. Wonderful, wonderful. I can't wait to get my hands on some personally. So I would love to hear about the process, the mycopreneurial process of getting your product 
into shelves and into stores. I think there's a lot of people, literally thousands of micropreneurs, people with mushroom businesses, aspiring micropreneurs, people who already have their packaged product who are who are asking, okay, so I've got this product. I want to be part of this mushroom revolution. I want to get this into a store. What do I do? And of course, selling online is very popular. A lot of people sell directly through their Instagram page. I've seen many booths at festivals, people going to different festivals and rubbing elbows, including this last weekend, getting turned on to a few different new products and hearing about new ones coming out. So I'd love to hear about your journey, Zoe, of going from, okay, I've got this beer. I've got this adaptogenic non-alcoholic mushroom beer I'm very proud of. It's bottled, it's labeled. How do I get this out beyond my bubble of my family and my immediate friends and start getting this onto shelves? What did that process look like for you to take function mushroom beer out of the idea and prototype phase and onto shelves at grocery stores around the UK and around the world? It's it's always tricky starting a business. There's so many things to consider. You know, you've got to get your product right. You've got to get your branding right. For me, the branding was really important. I didn't want it to appear like too woo-woo and hippie, even though like that's my jam. I love that. But, you know, it needs to be mainstream. It needs to feel cool. It needs to feel not like overly shroomy, um, but still obviously nodding towards the, you know, the mushrooms. And I knew there was a lot of education piece to be done around functional mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms. So there was a lot of work done in the background. And then we launched in November. So we, in the UK, we were just coming out of a lockdown and we were only kind of shops were only open for like six weeks before we we closed again just kind of around Christmas time and we went back into a lockdown then so I launched through our website B2C you know we're alcohol free it's super easy there's less you know there's no kind of regulatory issue so um, we're selling direct to consumers through our website and, and then building the brand on socials so Instagram and Facebook and just trying to get out there be on as many blogs and um, doing some podcasts and speaking and writing and and just trying to get as much information out there as possible to kind of educate people around around the mushrooms then we've slowly started to launch kind of uh with some wholesalers and and now my focus is getting into retail and grocery um we're in um a couple of health food like grocery channels in the uk and i'm just trying to build these stockists you know it's it's really challenging launching any business you know you you email lots of buyers and their inboxes are like bulging at all times and you'll email someone and then you know you won't hear back from them for a month or two months or maybe never and then you have to kind of keep emailing so it's a really long process um we've started to do a couple of trade shows now which is great so i've done a few craft beer shows which is awesome and some like speciality like natural products natural product grocery shows we don't have any mushroom festivals in the uk so i haven't done anything like that but um really focusing as well quite quickly to grow the brand internationally because the alcohol free market is is booming and it's popping up in places like Australia and America of course and Canada um, and the market is growing exponentially also functional drinks functional products you know that market is huge for all the reasons that we've just discussed and um, making sure that function kind of gets in there as a real brand presence early on is really important so we're launching into the US end of this year hopefully we'll be in stores by the holidays and then looking to launch at Australia early next year as well so quite focused internationally we're, we're available for sale in Estonia in Germany in various places in the Netherlands in Europe so we have um, a little mycelial web of, of stockists and suppliers um, around the world that are that are kind of getting on board with what we're doing with function but it's hard you know at the same time I'm I'm started on my own I'm a solo founder so I don't have a, a team of people yet and I'm in the fundraising process so 
quickly trying to raise a big bag of cash so I can hire some people and spread our wings and, and get function kind of in as many places as possible. But we were actually featured on Access Hollywood uh, a couple of weeks ago in a snack trend forecast show, which was awesome. There was a, a really great woman on there who's predicting future trends for snacks and, and adaptogens and fungi was one of them. So we've already been featured on national TV in the US. So that's super exciting. And uh, hopefully we'll have lots more interesting press and, and things happening um, in your neck of the woods uh, later on this year. But it's a it's a tough process and it's 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 kind of a slow process. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And, and as we're going along, we're educating. So people's minds are getting blown all the time about functional mushrooms. They didn't know they existed. You know, we live in this world where like everybody knows about functional mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms. Everybody knows how amazing mushrooms are. And then you go out and you're like, oh, OK. Not a lot of people do know what they're about. But I thought what was amazing to see is like this year we've had Fantastic Fungi has been launched on Netflix. I remember watching it when it very first came out. I think I watched an Italian version with subtitles and I was like, oh, this is amazing. I just thought how cool. And now it's on Netflix. You know, Merlin Sheldrake's book Entangled Life has kind of made it into the bestseller charts and it's been featured in loads of different places. We've got people like, you know, Joe Rogan and Rich Roll hopping on about mushrooms. Meghan Markle invested in a mushroom uh, latte company this year it's like people are just fungi is is a, a hot topic right now and it's so cool because there's so many amazing you know purposes and ways that fungi can help us you know it's not just the adaptogenic arm of it and, and the health food arm of it it's like habitat restoration eating up plastic vegan leather I mean there's pretty much not one thing that fungi can't help us with as humans, um, probably because it's always helped us. We've always had a symbiotic relationship with fungi since we crawled out of the primordial soup millions and millions of years ago. And she's still there, quietly waiting in the background. And we've forsaken her for quite a long time. And I think that had a lot to do with religions and, and people kind of moving away from the old ways and, and more pagan and, and traditional um, Aboriginal ways of living and the connections to nature and as we industrialized and became more kind of segmented and you know organized religion stepped in we kind of pushed those old ways to one side and and thought they were either witchcraft or you know they they weren't real because they weren't you know god hadn't sorted it out or so we really kind of lost all those amazing things but now we're having a, a renaissance of it it's been exciting to see that come back the importance of pop culture is huge. The influence that it has is enormous. And you just mentioned Merlin Sheldrake's book, Entangled Life. You mentioned Fantastic Fungi, which is now available in 190 countries, thanks to Netflix. And so I believe that this education process and the outreach is tremendously effective and it's speeding up and gaining momentum and bringing more and more people into this world the fantastic world of fungi and being able to see what fungi can do for humanity and vice versa and how we can partner together and leverage the power of fungi to create a more equitable, more sustainable, more imaginative, more vibrant world. So for this little bit, I'd love to talk about your day-to-day -day hustle at Function. It's something you just touched upon, how you're a solo founder and you're wearing all these hats. And I think that's how it is for a lot of people who are just coming into the space and who they see the vision, 
they have some of the education, some of the resources, and they say, all right, I'm going to jump into this space. Well, it's tremendously difficult. It's very noble and it's a very beautiful mission, but also it requires so much energy, so much attention, so much precision. And I'd love to hear about your day-to-day hustle as the founder of Function. Do you have a routine that you've developed And do you have compartmentalization where maybe someone else is taking care of the social media, someone else is taking, or a friend or family member or a conditional part-time employee is taking care of some of the marketing? Or are you doing everything and and doing a million different things in your day-to-day hustle with function? What does that look like for you? Yeah, at the moment, it's just me. So I'm doing the socials, I'm doing the marketing, I'm fundraising, I'm sorting out the brew. The only bit I don't do is is the brewing. So I have an amazing brewery that that create my uh, my beer for me. So um, yeah, that bit's taken care of, but pretty much everything else is, is down to me right now. My day is... Um, so, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 26. I had um, a juice bar for like five years and then I had a coffee shop and I worked in events and put on festivals. I've always been very organizational um, and I've always been very used to doing stuff with like lots of different hats on. So my brain works quite well in these situations. Um, but yeah, every day I'll kind of sit down at my at my desk and I'll start, you know, going through the socials and doing some updates and then checking my emails. But things don't work in a nice linear line. Like it doesn't work like that. So you'll go into your inbox to answer one email and then something else will pop up and you can't do one until you've done two. And so it's all kind of a bit... Um, all over the shop but I just think when you're chipping away doing a little bit of everything at once I mean last year was it was a much easier year to launch a business than any other year in the way that I didn't have any weddings to go to I wasn't going out on the weekends I wasn't seeing friends in the evening you know I was literally just stuck at home (laughs) so I was always you know go for a little walk and then I'd come back and do some more work and cook something and then do some more work and there was nothing else to do you know and when you started a business you know you're not going to sit there and watch Netflix all day so um yeah I find we kind of I managed to supercharge my daily uh time tasks quite easily then um I find that you know space fresh air exercise is all super important and for me life is also about balance so I live in beautiful north wales um I live by the sea uh I make sure I'm getting out every day with my dog whether we're going down to the beach whether I'm running or swimming or doing something and I think having that kind of headspace within your day so very early on, I would sit down and in past roles when I've worked for other people and and other businesses, I've sometimes sat at my screen for like 10 hours a day, just beavering away. And that's not a productive way to be. I think we we're breaking down some kind of social norms in the working uh, in the working world that it's okay not to sit at your computer for 10 hours a day. In fact, it's not productive to sit at your screen for that long. What's productive is you get up, you have a good breakfast, you do some exercise, then you hit the emails and do some work, then maybe you have another walk or you go and sit outside and have your coffee or have your lunch, you know, then you come back to things. Um, and I think having that balance and being able to get out in nature and, and kind of move my body over the course of a day is is super important so I'm always trying to integrate that and actually then when I come back to my laptop I'm much more productive because I'm like right I'm giving myself two hours and then I'm going for a run or I'm giving myself two hours and then I'm gonna walk the dog or I'm gonna cook some food or whatever it is so um 
yeah, I think having that balance is super important. But right now, every day with function, it's just super exciting. And because I'm doing so many things, it's pretty varied. You know, I think if I, some CEOs have businesses, and I'm sure the dynamic, of course, is going to change over the years. But sometimes, you know, you're just sitting behind your desk doing finance all day, or you're just sitting, uh, you know, working on certain things. Well, my day is doing so many different things. It's like super exciting. So it's exciting when I sit down and do some posts for socials or make a video, and then it's super exciting when I'm planning my next brew or doing an interview or writing some papers or whatever it is that I'm doing over my day it kind of um yeah having lots of different hats is is quite cool and also you I know my business inside out I know everything that's happening um however saying that in order to grow and in order to take function to the next level um yeah we definitely need to hire in some staff I've got an amazing girl who a woman who helps me do my events and she's just like the coolest and working with someone and having someone who's talking about your business and seeing them talking about it and like killing it and just being really confident I'm like yes that's super cool so yeah the function crew will definitely be getting bigger over the next couple of months for sure (laughs) I'm happy to hear it and I hear that perspective a lot talking with entrepreneurs who are doing everything basically and it's great to be able to know your business inside out and to be able to understand all of the different elements that it's comprised of but realistically as you scale obviously being able to compartmentalize and bring in people to the team who share the vision is uh, definitely the best and quickest way I think in many cases for a small business to scale and to get bigger and start getting uh, by the way I think it's awesome that your beer is available in Estonia and a couple of European countries we hope to see that magnified in the near future and also here on the the west coast uh, I know there's a lot of interest in the health and specialty foods specifically in California Venice Beach area with stores like Erewhon and of course Whole Foods and things like that so yeah we, we hope to see that we hope to see that in the near future now To build off of that, I I had a a great hang time this last weekend with my friend from London, Darren Springer, a.k.a. Darren LeBaron, and he was here at the festival representing the UK and representing marginalized and under-resourced communities and people that he's very in tune with and and passionate about serving. And one of the things he mentioned uh, at the panel he was on that was about community sovereignty and right-to-use entheogens as a community is that in the UK, there's not as much... Uh, There's not as an evolved landscape around mushroom, psychoactive fungi, functional fungi, and that, as you mentioned, there's not necessarily a festival or there's not as broad of a culture that's in place. In the United States, that's pretty rapidly changing. Telluride really leans into the whole psychoactive element of fungi. There's a lot of doctors and and entrepreneurs and lawyers, etc., who are presenting and it felt like we're in this little bubble and like everybody knows about this stuff. But in reality, you leave that little bubble and you go back to Kansas City or you go back to northern Wales or whatnot. And there's not as much of an infrastructure around the education, both with psychoactive and with functional mushrooms. Most people would say, what is a functional mushroom? Like, you know, I've heard of portobello. I've heard of button mushrooms, maybe even a criminy mushroom. But the majority of people, I think, are at, in popular culture at a broad scale are not familiar with chaga. They're not familiar with lion's mane, etc. So I'd love to hear about kind of the mushroom culture in the United Kingdom and in Wales. Is this a very niche subculture right now? Or are you starting to see more dialogue, more conversation in mainstream media, more circles, social circles where the conversations are bubbling up? What does that mushroom culture and functional mushroom culture look like these days in the United Kingdom and in Wales? 
it's definitely nowhere as near as advanced as it is um, over in the States. You know, there's still, we have quite, we're, we're pretty good with things like foraging and, you know, getting back into nature and, and understanding our, our native herbs and plants. And, um, you know, there are plenty of foraging mushroom groups. There's a cool collective in London called the London Fungus Network. And there's some, there's some really great mycologists and some and really interesting people doing stuff. But it's still very niche and it's still very much a people who kind of are in the know about mushrooms you know we are a an ancient uh an ancient island we've had mushrooms at the heart of our our culture for for millennia you know we're a druidic culture the, the druids were one of our kind of early um medicine people and and their sacred plant was mushrooms uh you know and, and their work with mushrooms is, has been understood for for thousands of years you know we have hundreds of thousands of well, hundreds probably thousands of, of species of mushrooms that grow in the British Isles um they've been very much part of our our culinary culture for a long time but again it's been lost and I think something happened where people suddenly became fearful of mushrooms they were scared because yes you know if you pick the wrong one it could uh it could take you into the cosmos but it also could take you to casualty so um you know people have been um quite wary about mushrooms and we really restricted the type of mushrooms that we use to you know agaricus pretty boring button mushrooms and and it's partner the portobello and um i mean the button mushroom and the portobello are, are the same mushroom just at different stages of their lives but um you know we we kind of restricted the the mushrooms that we we're familiar with um there's a there is definitely a resurgence and there's definitely some really cool brands that are working with mushrooms in in the uk um some coffee some like candy products some um, face products some um, um you know beauty products creams so there's a small little community of people that are that are kind of building up around mushrooms and there's actually like a, a little mini mushroom festival that's happening in London uh, in early October where it's part of the London Fungus Network so it's like some talks and people doing art based on mushrooms and poetry and food and um but a very very small like you know really small probably a hundred people or something so uh it's in our infancy but looking at what's going on with you guys looking at the festivals and events and stuff that's happening in the states I think um it's definitely something that's going to that's going to grow in the UK and I really want to be a part of it I mean I really would love to to create some some kind of mushroom festival a mushroom event and really get people excited about mushrooms and fungi and I think now's a perfect time to do it like you said for all those reasons fantastic fungi hitting the mainstream loads of interesting books loads of people that are kind of coming up and talking about the benefits of mushrooms so and fungi as a whole um so yeah I think uh now's the time to for us to for us to change that situation but yeah we're definitely lacking a little bit on that front yeah i know that there are quite a few individuals who are working overtime to change that quickly though and not just in the uk but also all around the world and like i i'm i've been invited uh micropreneur from mumbai to come on the show and i'm just so fascinated in how different areas of the world are are mushrooming with all of this fascination towards fungi now and even in places like cape verde or even in south africa or you name it there's a mycopreneur there who's spearheading this change and who has a product or has a mission where they want to educate the public and they want to bring it into we've had a, a mycopreneur from uganda on the show someone that i very dearly 
feel in resonance with her mission. Yes, and it's exciting because it, you can really see people uplift their entire communities. They uplift themselves as individuals with their health habits, with the of the food that they're putting in their bodies, and also the lifestyle decisions and the choices. And it's really amazing to see how an entire community and more broadly, probably at the national or the international scale, how the global collective can be uplifted when people lean into the offerings of functional mushrooms and what they represent and what they're here to tell us and how to take care of each other and take care, take care of ourselves. So we've touched on basically everything I wanted to get to, Zoe. And I always like to close out the podcast asking our micropreneurs about some of the upcoming projects on the horizon for them. So we see that you're extraordinarily busy with function these days what are some of the upcoming projects or some of the things to look forward to for you at function getting out and being able to see more people is is definitely on our list so getting out and doing more festivals and events and seeing people and getting people to try the product it was something that we really missed last year launching in a pandemic and no one being able to go anywhere and it was you know we send samples to people and we were doing like lots of virtual and online stuff but it doesn't beat seeing humans and and gathering and and like we talked about it's it's this ceremony that humans it's in our dna that we are social creatures and we we've been dancing around campfires since the beginning of time humans need to be around other humans and um i think that opening up is going to be really exciting in terms of our projects and things we're working on i really want to create a cider i love cider um i love the flavor profiles um again drinking big pints of cider you know you get pretty drunk pretty quickly um it was uh, never a good idea but um i love the flavor profile so i'm working with um a cider producer to create a a cider with functional mushrooms so we're kind of undecided about which mushrooms that we're going to put in there but we're floating with the idea of doing a cordyceps cider um which will be great for kind of parties and festivals and getting out and being with friends and um for me i just want to bring more uh information i want to be as many places as possible talking about mushrooms talking about fungi and and really kind of help propel this um mainstreaming of of fungi to 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 everybody um and i think you know we we've touched on there aren't that many things happening in the uk around mushrooms there are there are individuals and there are like a few small things but um we could do way more so i'm hoping to get involved in some some cool projects to to kind of bring fungi out and about to to as many people as possible all right zoe henderson from function adaptogenic mushroom beers thank you so much for joining us on the micropreneur podcast we wish you great success and prosperity with your mission and your vision, and we hope to be following Function and, and see it on shelves here in the United States very soon. Thank you. It's been awesome to talk to you. Yeah, we will be launching in the States before the holiday season, before Christmas and dry January. Really looking forward to, uh, to getting out there and, and sharing our mushroom goodness with more people. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many mycopreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up, at mycopreneur podcast, that's the handle, don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, Micopreneur. Got the YouTubes dialed in, Micopreneur. Drop us a line. Tell your grandma and your kooky uncle. Tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Micopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, willkommen. 
Bienvenidos. Welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode, and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Micopreneur Podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.